Good evening, everybody. I'm Dane Gentry. I hope everyone's doing well tonight. Um, coming on tonight, I'm going to talk about the insanity of drugs. Um, you know, everything about it is insanity. Everything we do, from the fact that we do it the first time, um, I mean, we see it. <clears throat> we see people in the street. I mean, whatever. Our family members, when we were young, whatever it may be. And then, for whatever reason, the insanity part of it tells us that it won't happen to us. That you know, I won't be that homeless person. I won't be a junkie. And you know what I mean? That loses everything they have. It runs everybody off in your life. It's ever loved you. Um, you go on and on with all the things that, that we do. Um, I saw drugs at a very young age. Um, everyone, um, smoked pot and drank all the time. Uh, back then everybody would ride around and drink, uh, or ride the roads. Uh, that was a big thing. And, um, nowadays i think they're, they're getting a little hold on that how you doing carrie um on all that kind of stuff but that's what my life was that's that's what i saw um i can re i don't ever remember a time that i didn't see people smoking pot or drinking or or any of that um if you want to come up and talk carrie just let me know i'll add you up um so that's the insanity part of it you know we look at especially nowadays i mean the young kids now look at all the things that they're seeing um you know, we got people so people sleeping on sidewalks, you know, homeless people everywhere. And we know the reason of it. We know it's because of drugs. And then here yet, we still want to try it. Um, whatever reason, we just we just fail to believe that it's going to happen to us. And uh, me, you know, uh, it. I started smoking pot probably when I was about nine. I remember I found uh, a cigarette pack that had a bunch of joints rolled up in it. And uh, I had saw everyone doing it. So I knew there was something to it. Of course, I didn't really know what it was. Um, and so I found them and I had them. And um, they, uh, all right, I'm going to send you in, Carrie. Give me, there we go. Hold on. Let me X that out. Sorry, one second. All right. There we go. Um, I had an older friend. He was like a, a cousin. Um, there you go. Hey, Carrie, how you doing? Hey, I'm okay. I can hear you better tonight. That's good. Um, I'm actually on my headphones tonight. So. Um, what'd you say? I'm on my earbuds. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm just talking about the insanity of drugs. You know, the fact that yeah. we uh, we see what it does to everybody's life, and then we still want to do it. Um, I was saying that I'd, I'd found that cigarette pack with all the joints in it. Uh, I didn't do anything with it at the time, but the people who lost it, I lived in like a little duplex, and the the people who lost it lived next door to us and they were looking for it. And I was like, mm. I wouldn't tell them I was high. I kept my head. And then an older friend of mine, he, um, he, uh, one day was like, come on, man, we're going to ride our bikes out in the country and steal some marijuana plants. And I'm like nine years old. And I'm like, okay. So we go off on this adventure to go steal these marijuana plants. And of course we don't find anything. And, uh, but I had that, then pack that pack of them joints. And I told him, I was like, I got some. And, the very first time I tried to smoke any, it was like he gave me like a shotgun deal. And then, of course, I was choking or whatever. And I don't really remember if I got high then or not. But it wasn't long after that that I was smoking pot pretty regular. Um, at the age of 11, I was drinking and, and smoking pot like I was grown. I always hung around the older kids. And um, my mom was dating a guy at the time that I just didn't like. He didn't like me and I didn't like him and kind of deal. And he had a daughter same age as me and he'd be gone during the week and he'd be there on the weekends. And so in the summertime they would go to the lake and stuff. And, uh, we live in this little trailer park in Franklin, uh, battlefield trailer park, 34 C. I still remember it like it's yesterday for some reason. Uh, but anyway, 
Um, hey, Tick, how you doing? Uh, Tick Radio's on. It's, she has a show, and also I was just talking to her while I go on Bobby's show. Um, but uh, so at that time, I remember when they'd go to the lake and stuff, I, I would be drinking, and I remember passing out in this little field there that had like a basketball goal and stuff there. Age of 11 now. I, was, I remember that. And then, of course, I had my accident. And uh, my mother said that every third hour on the hour, they would give me a pain shot. And she said I would wake up right at time and I would hit that button for the nurses to come in there. So I was already, you know, I was already addicted. But and I remember I remember the way it made me feel. They would give me shots in my legs. And uh, but when I went home from the hospital, they gave me uh, some kind of pain pill. I don't remember what it was, but I wouldn't take them. Um, but when I had my accident, it exploded my eardrum. And so along with everything else it done i had an ear infection from the time i was 11 till i was 15 it just wouldn't go away it finally stopped hurting i just had a i always had to keep cotton in my ear or whatever my left ear and uh i finally had a doctor said he uh he figured out dr cates was a doctor in nashville and west end and he said uh that he figured out first he tried to like patch my eardrum stuff one surgery it didn't work and then um he said he figured out that the infection had got into what was called my mastoid, which is that basically that bone right there back behind your ear. And so he had to drill in there, had to drill a hole in it and drain it out. And that's when he gave me the uh, Vicodin ES pain pills. And I wouldn't take them at first, uh, I was like, but it was hurting. It was hurting bad. And um, I was actually uh, having an affair, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I'm 15 and she was like 35 with a woman. And um, she's like, you should take one of them pills. And, I was like, no, I don't want to take it. And really all it was was she was wanting some of them. She figured if I took them and got half of it, she'd get some of them. And so um, I did or whatever. And uh, I remember that well. I remember the way I felt. And uh, I instantly I knew, it was almost like I knew I needed to lie to doctors and stuff. And um, I started telling the doctor that I had migraine headaches. And he was, he's still, this doctor's still in practice today. I'm not going to say his name, but uh, he's still in practice in Franklin. He's not even a, actually a doctor. He's a PAC, so he's just like one step from being a doctor. Uh, he worked under another doctor, but this guy would bring me pain pills and come and meet me. I was six, at 16 at this time, and <clears throat> I would call the office, and he would bring me samples uh, from the office and bring them to me. I could go in there and get a pain shot and drive away at 16 years old. I went in there one time. I had done a bunch of acid. And I was high on acid, and he knew it. Still gave me a pain shot. Um, then he prescribed me something called Stadol nasal spray, and that it was some strong shit. It was, um, it's just like a, it looked just like a regular nasal spray. You just squirt it up your nose, and but it would get you higher than <clears throat> any pain pill. But again, I was 16 years old, and this guy was doing that. Uh, but he actually, uh, when I was in prison the first time, my mother had come back from Texas and started seeing him, and she had legitimate reasons that she needed pain medicine or whatever at this time. And, um, he told, he actually told her he was sorry. Uh, he never told me that. Um, I went there with her one time and, um, he never told me he was sorry, but man, you know, we can sit there and we can, okay, Tick, thank you. Uh, we can sit there and we can, I could place the blame all day long, but at the end of the day, I was still asking for the pills. My mother had really good insurance. I think that had a lot to do with it really at the time is all money. Um, and kind of, I don't know what kind of doctor he is today. I, I haven't seen this guy since, I don't know, I was 17 or 18 years old, but not like that. Not as a patient. Like I said, I saw him when I was, I don't know, 35 or something. But um, he actually works in uh, the office that he works in is one side of it is 
family care and the other is the pain clinic, but it's all in one office. So you got one door on the right, one door on the left. And so my opinion, he's probably doing the same thing, but I don't know. But again, you know, um, I can sit here and place blame all day long, but at the end of the day, I was still going to do it. But um, I got sent off when I was 16 and they were still giving me the state on nasal spray. And I was in a group home in Wayne County, Tennessee. And uh, I got sent off over, well, a girl that got pregnant, a girlfriend got pregnant and um, she was a wealthy girl and I wasn't. And they, we was going to have the baby. Everything was fine. We was going to have the baby. And then, um, Hey Bobby, how you doing? Um, and then all of a sudden she had us with an abortion and they filed a restraining order on me not to see her anymore. And so they kicked me out of school and I ended up getting in trouble over that. And they sent me away to a, a group show. Loved your show, Bobby. Thank you, man. Um, and so, uh, I was still, I was down there and I was still giving me that, na- that nasal spray, but they didn't know what it was. They just thought it was nasal spray. And so I was sitting there all high on the shit and they didn't know what was going on, but I run out of it. And I, that was my real, my first experience really with withdrawal uh, at that time at 17. But, um, it was more in my mind. I feel like it was more mental, um, than anything, but I remember like being somewhat sick, but not bad. Um, but then I come home. This is the insanity part I'm talking about here. This is what I'm getting at, getting to. So I come home and um, I get some more of that stuff and then it's gone. You know, you're really Jones or whatever. Well, I meet these guys, these people. Um, they were doing what's called boosting. They were shoplifting and then they'd have people take it back in for money. They were growing. I'm a kid. And at first I didn't really know what they were doing it for. But then I saw what they were doing it for. And they were doing it for K4 Delatas. Um Thank you. I appreciate that, Bobby. Yours is too. Um, I like the music. Uh, it's good just to sit around listening to some music sometimes. It just does something to the soul. Um, but uh, I saw him shooting up, man. And um, I, I just still, I look back on that and, and I think about it and think, why in the hell, man, did I ever want to do that? You know, I, I just didn't understand. And um, uh, the first time that I ever shot up was in a, Home Depot parking lot. And uh, the last time I ever shot it was in the same Home Depot parking lot. I didn't realize it at the time that that was going on, um, but it just turned out to be that way. Um, it's been some years ago now, but uh, I was, I had done some um, and I went out. And uh, five hours later, I was sitting in, in my truck for five hours with it running um, the whole time out. And again, the cops woke me up, had a pro violation, I went back to prison. But that's the insanity part I'm talking about. Like I saw what this done to all these people's lives. And I still was like, man, I, I want to do it. And I don't understand that. I don't understand why we do that. But again, that just goes to show you there's something there's something there. And um telling you, <laughs> that's wild, Carrie. That, that's um that's it's crazy. And I and people tell me that all the time. And it's just like, you know, uh I try to hold some things back sometimes on here because I don't want to, I don't want to hurt my brother and there's things that he doesn't know, but I'm just going to, you know, I'm, I'm putting it out there because I'm open book today, but my mother, man, I saw him shooting my mother up. I didn't even know, um, you know, really what was going on, but I walked up on it and there's a grown man and I beat the shit out of him. Just be honest about it. And, um, but I still went and done it. I still wanted to go and do it, but that's the crazy part of it. So me and my mother become, uh, getting high buddies. Um, and, uh, you know, that's some people, you know, 
say whatever that the people that know it i remember telling beth that the first time and just looking at the hurt in her eyes and just you know she just felt so bad for me but you know i still don't fault my mother i mean you know it is what it is um i will say that it's one of the most traumatic things i think i ever course experience was walking up to that uh, I, shelby park in nashville there's up up on top of the hill up there care if you know what i'm talking about maybe i'm not sure but um and i walked up on it man and i exploded and at the moment i thought man you know i never would do that and uh then here it goes you know what i mean and so i went from being i wasn't innocent at the time by no means i was i was mean man i was i was mean when i was a little kid i i don't know why i don't know what that was i think i was i was seeking attention but um that guy man that i'm talking about that beat shut up was a real piece of work man um i don't know where he is today i've run across him a time or two in jail and stuff like that but um anyway uh, so that's the insanity of it you know i see this i see my mother and uh, immediately man here i go and so for the next i don't know six months or so that's when uh, i got in all my trouble was in that amount of time i ended up uh, on the run and had i was out on bond from like five different bonding companies and uh, back then a lady by the name of janie hood had a bonding company and she's an awesome lady i don't know if you know her or not carrie but man she tried to help me that lady tried to help me so many times and um she was married to steve osborne at the time and um steve's a good guy he has his own problems or whatever but he, he changed his life around he did a bunch of time and, um but anyway she tried to help me i mean everybody saw what was going on and you know, I say that I don't hurt my brother, and he may know. Um, I don't. I don't know that he don't know. I'm just me and him has just never really talked about that. Um, we're just kind of not that way. But in in a way, I think he does know. Um, but uh, see, anger is always secondary to something else. Hurt, sadness, and guilt. Yeah, you know, I, I was. Uh, I can remember being probably, I don't know, eight or nine years old, and. My mom had got a car, and I, in my mind, it was a new car, but I know it wasn't because we was poor as hell, so I know it wasn't a new car, but it was new to her. And back then, of course, they had the cigarette lighters you could push in, and it would get red hot, and you pull it out. Well, for whatever reason, I was sitting out there in that car, and I would take that lighter, and I'd push it in, and it would get red hot, and I'd have to pull it out, and I'd stick it to the seat and burn a hole in the seat. And I did it, like, so many times, and I don't know why I did that. And I remember stealing money from her, walking to the store to get candy. Um, after I had my accident, I was 11 and I would leave and stay gone for days. I wouldn't call, I wouldn't do anything. I'd just go and uh, uh, not tell nobody, not, not where I was at or anything. And so uh, some people say I was seeking attention and maybe I was, uh, and I probably was because I didn't get any. Um, you know, my mom would, oh, man, I'm kind of, I don't know, make it seem like I'm down on my mom tonight, but it's just the truth. She was a really bad alcoholic when I was real little. Um, but some things went on and uh, that caused that, that I know now I didn't know back then and when I was real young, but now I know these things. But anyway, um, and so she would go to the bars and stuff and get drunk and she wouldn't come home for a few days or whatever. But my brother was six years older and so he was supposed to be with me, but of course he was like a teenager at this time. So he was out probably with a girl, so I don't know. But So I'd be left alone by myself, um, real young. I mean, you know, seven, eight years old. But my grandparents didn't know. They would think that, my brother was with me and so but anyway I, I just think sometimes that all of that stuff combined probably led to me being you know the little mean ass that i was and somebody sent a message to me on a facebook messenger and said uh 
glad to see your little mean ass finally grew up or whatever they said. And I was, I was just like, I wasn't a real violent to people or anything like that. I was just mean. Um, like prison kind of made me that way as far as, you know, the whole, I was always a fighter. I just, that's just how we grew up back then. It was just different. And I was a little, I was real little and I was the smallest. And so they always picked on me. And when I grew up though, they stopped doing all that. I was an angry child as well. My dad, my six years old you can you can come on speak if you want to care i was hurt and acted out i found it later Ooh, for good reason six years yeah he was an asshole to my mom so i found out later you know the reason why she had made him leave and she divorced him but i blamed him for most of my life but it was thought it was him that he was up and left my mom's like yeah you had a good relationship with him and i barely talked to him after that as kids, we don't always see the whole story. But I was a very angry child. I'm a twin, and I was the middle child, and I felt not heard. I felt like they didn't care. My mom worked 80 hours a week. She was always gone. I never saw her. I basically raised myself from the time I was seven. And he, she divorced my dad, and he made good money after she finished school and all of that. But the money wasn't didn't mean anything because it's the love I didn't have I didn't have parents around nobody told me what to do I did whatever I wanted and just got lucky with me trouble until later in life but yeah I mean I was I was angry feelings of abandonment and hurt and, um, I'm having a real hard time hearing you Carrie I can't I can barely hear you change my can you, Bobby can you Bobby can you hear Carrie I can barely, barely hear. I'm right next to my phone. I can't get any closer. Yeah, I can hear you now. I changed my headphones around a little bit then. I tried to plug them into the, the computer. What what age did you start doing? Did you start getting high? Um, I drank my first full beer when I was six. At 12, I was just gone, full-blown drinking every day. Um, and then by, I didn't start smoking pot until I was 16. But then it was an automatic every day all day thing um from basically then on until i was 30. i went to rehab the first time when i was 30. you were how old 30. 30. but i had i had been doing cocaine for five years uh daily never went without it for five years and um what's funny thing is, is nobody seemed to know that's why you know i said i felt unheard as a child <laughs> I felt unheard as an adult too. Five years back, I had stoned, and then I didn't start doing cocaine until after I had my kids. I um, I went and got on methadone when I was eighteen. Um, my mother went as well. Um, we had lost everything. I mean, we we came homeless, and man, that was that was a strange thing. It was uh, looking back on it now. I never really knew how all that really affected me um, until I got sober and started, you know, dealing with shit, as you know. And uh, all the things that I thought that just didn't bother me or whatever, I found out they really, they really they freaking did. did. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I just, it was, it was a very sad situation. Um, and I was in treatment in Florida years ago and, we, uh, of course, I won't say anybody's name or anything, but we were in a group, and 
uh, I was, it was men and women both in there together. And this girl was talking and she said at the age of 11, her mother shot her up with methamphetamines. And I just thought, Oh my God, man, uh, age of 11, your mother shot you up with amphetamines. Just so she said, the reason her mother did it was, was so that she would figure out how to do it and was able to, to shoot her mom up. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was, it was, you know, we kind of lived in a different world. Um, That's Buffalo Valley. What year? What year did you go to Buffalo Valley? Two thousand and seventeen. Um, in Lewisburg. I was down there in 2017 too. Um, very briefly. Yeah, they, um, yep. They started a mat program. Uh, it didn't last long. Um, I was in there when they shut it down. I was the group that was in there then. Um, yeah. I've got some friends that's, uh, in the one in Clarksville now, Buffalo Valley. Um, not liking it a whole lot. I'll say that. Um, no, it, it, and that's a, yeah. Yeah. And then they'd show up, you know, every every so often and come with a drug test with the rest of us in the house. And then we would see him again. Yeah. No, it's. I was seeing like 30 to 50 people. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided I can do this on my own. And I got a little studio apartment. Um, second album. They. They, um, now. 
a lot of them guys are getting grants and they're going into the 90 day program down there called the MAP program. But it's pretty much the same thing. They go in there and uh, feed them suboxone. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not against suboxone. If that's what you need to do, do it. You know what I mean? If I'm not against it. I know some people are. Some people don't consider it being sober. I'm not that way. Um, it's it's kind of your route. But they um, they don't do shit, man. You know what I mean? They don't do anything. They uh, go to a half-assed group at first for, I think, three days a week, I think. And um, said it's supposed to be three hours. Never done a three-hour group yet since they've been there. i got two friends that's there right now. And, uh, but they both were homeless, you know what I mean? And, and so for lack of better, whatever, it, it's got them sober and for now, but they're not getting any tools there. But just like I tell them, listen, man, you know, at the end of the day, go to all the meetings you can go to, get you a sponsor, start working them steps. Um, and just, but they've, they've had to put up with some bull crap. Um, and so, um, hopefully some things are going to change there maybe, but, but you know how it is, man. Um. I do know that uh, they have a lot of, of houses there in Clarksville, and we're um, we're looking into um, starting some houses down there, uh, sober living homes, um, because we, you know, what we pay in Nashville for, and we can get two down there, and they need them, and but they need good ones, man. That that's the thing. We need good ones. Uh, I've been to them, and uh, most of them are not. Most of them are just bullcrap want the money and that's just not what we need we know that because we're addicts and uh if if we see we can push that boundary we're going to push it um i definitely did but um i had a bad experience with buffalo valley back then when i'm talking about uh, but it was my it was when i say a bad experience it, it was my fault um a lot of things that went on things that just really really got bad um and i got back on heroin of course or whatever and so I went there and I was actually doing all right as far as with the suboxone and stuff like that. But, um, it just wasn't any, this wasn't no treatment there. Uh, and it's, it's the same thing now, but you know, at the end of the day, I've been to treatment centers that insurance paid a lot of money for, and I've been to the ones that you get government grants for. And, um, Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty bad, you know. Wow. 
No. That's right. I love that. We're we're actually gonna. We was. I kind of talked about him tonight. I wasn't gonna do it tonight. I was gonna wait. But we're gonna we're gonna do a show about him, just so you know. Cup coming, and I would definitely want you to be a part of it. Um, because here's what I'm gonna say about it. It could be an amazing freaking place. It really, truly could. They have the resources to do it. They have the houses to do it. Um, they need to freaking do it, man. Um, you know, there's just no game. Here's the deal. Um, it's all, you know, addiction is only going to grow because of what's, I don't know if you know about this or not, but right now people that need hydrocodone that take it every day or whatever, not addicts, just your, they can't even get it. Um, it's some of it's back order for four months. So what's people going to do? People are going to, what everybody does, they're going to start going to the streets and we're going to have even more people and most of them are going to die. And I just don't understand the, the government. You know what I mean? I don't get it. That was purchasely done. That uh, was purchased. Oh, oh, I know. I know. Yeah, I know. That's okay. Yep. It's scary. It's it's very it's. Yep, yes it is, and um, it's a scary thing, man. And that's why, um, of course, through this through this podcast and all this and other things I'm doing now, I've I've uh, become friends with some people who are now um, in recovery and got some amazing things going on. And so we got some ideas we're going to do. Um, some stuff that go into states to the capitals, different things like that. And, uh, but, uh, I, I told a guy a story a little bit. You've probably seen him on Facebook here, maybe even, I'm not sure, but, uh, he's got one leg now and, um, but he's doing some awesome things and we're going to get together and start doing some stuff. And then, um, there's another guy who has been in sobriety since 2001. He's done some huge things too. Uh, I'll tell who he is later on. He's going to be on my show also. Um, I'm going to start filming them uh, next week. And so I'm not sure how long I'm going to be on Podbean. Podbean won't let me do video. Um, I like Podbean because I like to interact with people live. Um, and so I'm still going to try to get on and do them. See if I can figure out a way that I can use both things at the same time. I'm not a real technical guy, but somebody's supposed to be helping me with that. So I hope I'm going to be able to do that. Um, but everybody wants them on film now. Uh, and it's, uh, but then there's also people who don't want it on there. So, but there's a lot of good things coming for the sobriety world. A lot of big name people are stepping up and, uh, you know, where we live at around here, 
Uh, there's a lot of songwriters and, and different people that have battled addiction that um, I'm hoping to start trying to get on. I can't make any promises, but um, I'm, I'm pretty convincing if I can just get a conversation with them and, and get them on it. Because, you know, people want people need to hear and they listen to people like that who are already famous and stuff like that. So that's kind of the plan. But uh, we're going to start doing some like little camping things and, and things like that. Uh, skydiving is uh, what's on the venue right now. Um, I'm still trying to decide whether or not my boss is going to let me jump out of the plane or not. Uh, she hadn't said yet, but um, she. Yeah, Beth said that. Uh, Beth said I lived with you in addiction, thinking he was going to die. I don't want you to jump out of a perfectly good airplane, but um, you know. So I looked up all the numbers and stuff, and I think it's one in uh, one hundred thousand jumps people die and that's to me that's kind of high man because a lot of people jump out of planes you know what i mean i'm thinking man you know i'd be that one but you know at first you got to jump with someone else and from what i understand there's a parachute and a backup parachute so uh, we'll see i used to want to do it but uh, i don't know I'm, I'm gonna give it some thought yeah you have to do that yeah, you have to do that so many times. And so his event's going to be uh, March the 2nd in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's going to have a big, it's going to be a big shindig there. Um, uh, I'm going to go speak at it. And then um, there's a guy that also does it in Nashville that I just found. Or actually, he hooked me up with a guy. I'm trying to get in with him as well um, to do some stuff. But um, start out on this journey of speaking. That's kind of where I wanted to go anyway. Um, but I'll continue doing these podcasts cause I like them. I love them. I love doing them. And, uh, apparently people like to hear it and, uh, I want to get more people on and do more interviews and stuff so people can hear. And I think the one that me and Beth are going to do, um, it's going to be very emotional. Uh, that's for sure. Cause we're just going to lay it all out there. You know, she, she didn't know I was an addict and, um, uh, she found out one night and, uh, while I was asleep that I was. And so the, uh, kind of the rest is history, man. It was, uh, it was definitely a very difficult road for her and she's going to just talk about all the shit I've done. It's going to be, a lot of it's going to be kind of embarrassing, but I just feel that it needs to be done. I think people need to hear, man, with what we do to those that love us. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a, uh, no, It does. Um, and that's something that I think more treatment centers need to do. I think they need to start helping the family heal also during that process because um, it creates more animosity, you know, and more resentments for the family because the addict is there. They feel like getting help and they're just sitting there still stewing and everything that we've done. And you come home to that and it's just not a good, it's just not a good, uh, good thing to do with, with them not getting help. And so, um, so, Really? Wow. 
I don't want to. I don't want to know. Don't, please don't tell me anything that's going on with you. Because if it jerks, I'm like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah, that's um, that's tough. Uh, there's a lot of people that way. Uh, you know, I had an uncle that drank like a fish, man, but he functioned. He, he went to work every day, but on the weekends he would drink. And I don't know if he ever looked at this stuff at being an alcoholic or not. Um, never talked about it. Um, he probably did. Uh, he got he died of COVID. COVID actually got him. He um, he owned a house in Franklin and. Ended up, he bought it for, I want to say like $18,000 in 1973. And then he sold it in 2021 or maybe even 20. I don't remember for $475,000. So, um, he done well. And then he died of COVID not long after, um, but he was, he was, he was when I remember being a little kid and riding around him drinking and smoking pot. And it was just like a normal, uh, and then, the, you know, everybody, kind of wondered why I ended up the way I did. Of course, you know, I did take it to extremes or whatever. Um, as far as I know, I think, I don't think, I, I don't think anyone else in my family ever shot up and stuff like that. But the whole shooting up thing, like I didn't do it like for years on end. Um, I did it and then didn't do it for a long time. And then I'd relapse. And, but once the fentanyl thing come in, I would only smoke it. Uh, I wasn't shooting it. Uh, I just quit doing it. But um, I used to shoot in my neck. I got a scar on my neck because I didn't want people to see, you know, the track marks that are my arms. But it's just a sickening thing. And, you know, I saw a guy about a week ago. And um, he was in a meeting. And I, I could tell he was sick and he was feeling bad. And so I walked up to him and said, you know, how you doing, man, or whatever. And he said, I'm not doing good. He said, I'm withdrawing. I said, have you tried to take Suboxone? And he said, I've only been sick for so many days and you know, this fentanyl shit stays in your body a long time. And so you can't just take the suboxone. But I told him, I was like, if I were you, I'd just go ahead and do it, man. Just go through the precipitate it for about 12 hours. Keep taking that suboxone and push it out of your body instead of sitting there going through that for days. But it is intense when you do that. But what I'm getting at, he said uh, that he'd been shooting the xylazine, which is the, the animal tranquilizer. And his arms were just like big old craters ate up in them. I mean, awful. And I, I didn't say it to him, but my first thought was, man, I just wonder what it's doing to your insides if it's doing it to the outside of your body like that. It was awful. I mean, it looked like, yeah, it looks just like that. It looks just like that. Man, you know, there's no telling what. There's no telling what all they're putting in it. And that, again, there goes the insanity of it. You know, you look over at someone. And you know you're doing the same dope they're doing, and you're looking at this this person's arms or legs or whatever, and you know it's going to do you the same way. But what do you do? You still do it. Um, you got to break that cycle some kind of way. You know, I'm not cured by no means at all, but thank God I don't have no cravings or anything anymore. 
um but i never really did that that was kind of the thing like i would i would have that one but that one would be the one you know what i mean um but it would always be because you know i got pissed off at beth or even way before her you know i got pissed off at whoever uh, had a bad day or uh, but i don't know if, you, if you've ever heard me say this or not but throughout my time in prison i never done drugs in there uh, only one time uh, next to the last time i was in there i was only in there that time for about 15 months but i done uh suboxone the whole time i was in there and suboxone will get you really high if you're not doing it and just do little pieces of it and um so i got pretty strung out on suboxone in there but that's it other than that i never i never did drugs in there i could never figure out why i'd stay sober in there and then get out and go right back to dope uh, but i would but you know the first time I got out, there you go. Yep. No. Yep, and Franklin. Yep, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't go in the store. I wouldn't do anything, and I was uh, antisocial really bad because I done so much time uh, in isolation, and getting in trouble in there. Um, they don't lock you down like that as much anymore, but they still do. But back then i know a guy that stayed in isolation from 1994 to 2012. Uh, isn't that insane that is Wow. Shit, I was, uh, I did nine years on max, uh, four, three, and two. So, um, you know, I just read, you know, I'm not going to lie about it. You know, the first four years kind of helped me as far as educating myself because I went in there with a seventh grade education. I wasn't dumb. I just didn't like school. I didn't. And what I found out is how much I really loved to read. And, and so I just started reading everything I could and started getting all these educational books in the end. I got a GED and all these things, but that's a long time. Um, I'm lucky that, you know, or blessed, not lucky, blessed that I know my own name and that I don't have all these health problems and all these different things, but it's a long time. Uh, that guy I was talking about, he, he escaped a few times or attempted to, I don't know if you remember the guys that escaped from River Bend in 1999, but he was one of them. He, yeah, he was one of the guys. And, uh, yeah. He was the last one that, that caught, that got caught. Uh, his name is Billy Cofelt. And uh, they, uh, Williamson County had my time all messed up really bad. And um, they, I still had 10 years left. And when I shouldn't, I, I was should have been very close to going home. And he's the one that got it fixed for me. He uh, 
filed some paperwork. So I went from having 10 years to six months. And uh, it was, yeah, when I got out, it was a shock to the system. Franklin was changed. It was completely different. 840 was there. I didn't know nothing about that. Um, Liberty Pike was changed to um, McEwen. I mean, just all kind of stuff. And I didn't even know my way around. But um, it, it was wild. It, the way you felt, you know, you never would have thought that you would feel that way. And, of course, you know, once I started getting high, I thought everything was fine. Um, I got on methadone again. I started taking methadone because I was seeing a girl and she didn't want me smoking pot. And so I was like, well, I got to do something. So I started taking pills and then I got on methadone. Then she found out it was just a mess. Everything's a mess, but, um, that's where it all started. Then I ended up with a bunch more charges and then my mother died. My best friend died. The first time I ever done heroin in my life, my best friend died later that day. He didn't die right then, but he had dropped me off and left. And then, um, he uh, was on Harding Place in Nashville, 65, right there at that little store that's there. And um, they found him the next day in his car at one. That was on a, he actually died on Saturday. They found him on Sunday. And then my mother died on Wednesday. And um, that's off and running. I, they put me in jail because I was in drug court. And uh, they let me give me a six hour furlough to go to my mother's funeral and caught me a year later in Tucson, Arizona. Of course, I didn't turn myself back in. But, um, and it was a mess, you know, just everything about it. And that's, again, it goes right back to all the insanity of it. And you know the outcome. You know what it's going to be if you make it through it. Um, for me, it was always I knew I was going to do time. And man, I got tired of doing that shit. Huh? Yeah. I um I thought about it a lot. I ain't gonna lie about it. Um, but I used to always say that I would never do that. You know what I mean? But there was many times there at my last run that I had. Um, yeah, there was a lot of times where I was just like, man, you know, like I would do so much dope that people would say it's gonna kill you. Okay, if it does, it does. You know, that was one of the people that said if I go out. If you save my life, I'm going to shoot you in the face when I wake up. I was that guy. And, uh, you know, I, I was trying really to commit suicide without doing it. I guess that makes any sense. But um, it, uh, I didn't want. Yep. Yeah. 
No. That's that was the whole thing. I didn't want um Beth to get that phone call. You know, it's really is you know a lot of times that's what kept me from doing it. And, but what I would do is I would, I would look at the amount of dope that I was doing and, and I would call her on FaceTime. And, uh, I remember coming to many times her screaming on the phone, wake up, wake up. I mean, just doing that to her. It's awful, but it was the insanity of it. And, um, yeah. Yeah. But then, you know, once I got sober and I had my whole little mental thing, that's when I was really suicidal. Be honest about it. That's definitely by far, uh, I was done, I, you know, I attempted and, um, luckily didn't succeed, but, um, that's why we are, uh, trying to be a voice for the mental health as well, because it's just as serious and, um, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, me too. I'm the same way. You know, I got a, I got a dipping problem now. I can't let the nicotine go, but, uh, you know, yeah. I think it's healthier than smoking. I think. Yeah, it is. Um, it's just all a mess. You know, that's, that's just the, the bottom line. And, you know, the government's creating more addicts every day. Um, in my opinion, they make more money off of a, selling the dope and getting their cut on it than um, what they're making off of the fucking uh, population control. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's just really stupid what they're doing with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Yet. All I know is that, um, we're going to try to help all we can. That's, that's the thing. And 
it's kind of where you know this whole story led me and um i want to you know i want to if it's just that one person uh, i want to know to help people and i get messages every day man that, that people are saying i'm giving them hope and that's what it's all about and i want more people to come on board with it and as i start doing this traveling thing i need all the addicts that have been sober want to come along and do this thing and as people can i know everybody don't have the same schedules and some people can't and this that and the other but um this summer is going to be a very busy but productive summer uh, i feel like um you know everything else going on in the world we need some kind of good light to shine and that's what we're going to try to do and um there's so many amazing stories out here across the united states and around the world of people who have overcome some just some unbelievable things to to be sober and we all can do it man we just got to do it and uh it's not easy you know i'd like to tell people that it is easy but it does get easier uh, i think it does some people struggle some people struggle you know every day uh again thank god i don't that obsession has been removed and um and i and i'll say I, I truly believe the day that i really truly hit my knees and prayed you know take this from me and um use me as you will and i feel like that's what i'm doing now and uh, so i think that's why it is i'm doing exactly what he wants me to do but uh, god has to be a big part of it uh, we're not going to do it without him uh, that's for sure uh, you know some people say you know people use higher powers that now yeah they do but i think it always goes to god and but i don't i don't i'm not a um a bible thumper or any of that stuff i'm a spiritual guy but i know for me uh without god i just i wouldn't be here today and there's a reason for it as all of us i should have been gone a long time ago um many times ago Hell, I should have got killed in prison more than once, and I never even got stabbed in there. Never, I don't have any scars on my body that that I didn't go in there with when I first went in there the first time. So, uh, walked through all that pretty, man, you know, you had the fights and stuff like that. But for the most part, it wasn't that difficult in there for me. Um, maybe if it would have been, I wouldn't have went back four times. And uh, Bobby says, very scary place. It is, it, it, you know, I don't recommend it for anybody to go. Uh, that's for sure. Uh, it's not a, you know, and Tennessee is, um, it depends on what prison you go to in Tennessee, really. Some of them are pretty lame, laid back, as I say, but don't get me wrong. You know, you've died any day in any of them. Uh, and that's what an old man told me when I first went in there. I said, what you do on this rock, get you killed on this rock. And I always thought about it. And I always remembered it. And But I was still in some shit that, you know, I was in the, organization or gang shit whatever you want to call it stupid shit that's what it was um and uh thought i was somebody you know i was led to believe that i was somebody i wasn't nothing it was just a bunch of bullshit but um that's another thing man you know i, I try to talk about that stuff and uh people for whatever reason don't want to hear it but that's just true you need to keep your kids out of all that dumb shit too because they end up killed over nothing um but we're coming up on top of the hour everybody Thank you, Carrie, for coming on and speaking. I really appreciate it. Appreciate your help tonight. Uh, Beth was going to be on, but uh, we got a teenager that's having issues driving. We're trying to get him out driving more, and he had a little mishap. Not no wreck. He just um, got flustered, I guess we should say, and she's doing schoolwork. She's got a paper due, and <clears throat> she's just a busy, busy gal. Um, she's a trooper, man. She's, um, wow, just to put up with my ass was enough, but everything else that goes on is, and uh, so we're going to come on and talk about that. Um, like I said, it's going to be, uh, for me, it's going to be an emotional thing. I know it is for her, but I feel like it needs to be done. Um, it's going to be embarrassing.
But that's one thing about her. She won't hold nothing back. She's one of the most honest people I've ever met in my life. And um, if not the honest. Um, so look forward to all that stuff. We're going to do it. It will be. It will be. I think, you know, the woman went through a lot here, as you know. I mean, you can only imagine she did. And, you know, I'd go to prison and she was right there. It didn't matter where I was at in the state of Tennessee. She was there every visiting day and, um, you know, money on the book, whatever, you know, the deal. And um, always there, always had my back. And um, I'd still always try to push her away. I, I still to this day think about that shit. I think I was just scared of love maybe or whatever it was. But um, but I'm glad that, you know, I finally woke up and all that good stuff. And we've been good for a long time now. But there's still days, you know, there's still days that she'll ask me about stuff. And it'll make my skin crawl. And But she just wants to know, you know. And so I have to answer her. And I'm sure she's going to hit me with some that whenever we do that. We're not sure what night we're going to do it. We're going to be, we've got a real busy week coming up this week because we're opening the house and stuff like that. So, um, and she's taking on, taking on another class to try to get through school faster. And of course she works too. And so she's very busy at work. She's, um, the go-to lady at the, at the doctor's office she works at. She works at the boxing clinic and she's the, the lady who helps everybody. So you already know she stays very busy. And then even when she's not at work and like I said, school and a kid and, got one in the Marines and then we got the dog and it's just everything. And you got me, I'm probably the biggest baby of all, but um, she takes good care of me. But listen, everybody, we love y'all. Thank you for coming on. Thank you, Carrie. Um, Bobby, thank you. You're always there. I'll catch your show next time. I'm following you now, Bobby. Uh, so I can always catch your show. Remember, none of this is possible without God. Um, that's how I see it. Some people might not like to hear it, but we need to hear it more. And in case you hadn't saw, there's a lot more people that are athletes and, and famous that are giving glory to God right now, too. I feel like God's moving in, in big ways. And uh, we got to keep preaching it. We got people going to need to hear it because um, they're not doing it in church today. So we need to do it on here and stuff the best we can. So, again, God bless everybody. If you're struggling, reach out to me at danegentrypodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Discord, too, but I don't. I think it's Dane0626. I may be wrong about that. Just shoot me an email. And we'll get in touch with you again. Thank you, Carrie. And I'll see all y'all next time. All right. See you. All right. See you. Good night. Bye. Good night.